this week on episode eight. The physical evolution for me went from this like high performance, you have to do this, bang, 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 to be Olympian, to how can I love my body? What does my body need to feel good? That interview and more coming up next. Welcome to Happily Ever Active, where we crack the consistency code with fitness tips on motivation, mindset, and much, much more. Now, here's your host, author of Feel Like It, and the guy with the silent O, Kelly Dell. Hi again, everybody. I hope you've had a great week of motivating movement. This episode is a special one because it marks the first interview of the show, and more importantly, the lessons from it are super strong when it comes to developing a positive, motivating relationship with physical activity and your body. I'm not going to waste any time, and I'm going to get right to the eloquent Elisa Kurlowitz. Elisa is a retired World Cup Canadian national team freestyle skier with several international medals under her belt. She's also a social media influencer posting inspiring and very open content on her health and wellness journey. You can find her at Elisa Kurilowicz on Instagram. The richest of her content that you can find is probably in her podcast called Elisa Unfiltered, Living Life Out Loud. And when she says unfiltered, she definitely means it. In last week's episode called Decoding Discipline, I referred to the challenges that many high-performing athletes encounter when they transition from the rigors of elite sport to a new way of life. Under the demanding stresses of high-performance sport, athletes put their bodies and their minds through rigorous training, pushing boundaries on a daily basis. And Elisa's evolution is the perfect example, in my opinion. Today, we cover her journey, complete with several of its hardships, and tease out some of the key skills that have helped her, in short, turn her life around when she needed it most. It's a very clear story of how Culture influences mindset. And so without further ado, let's dive right into it. I got into sports at a very young age. My mom put me in gymnastics when I was three years old and I loved it. And I wanted to be an Olympian. I think my first thought of being an Olympian in my memory was like at the age of like five. It was in my nature. I was born with that like competitiveness. I was born an athlete. I had acrobatic skill. It's in my nature. So gymnastics really fit. But unfortunately, my body type is uh, one of those non-flexible ones. <laughs> so my dreams of becoming an Olympian in gymnastics uh, were crushed at the age of like nine. <laughs> when um, I was on the competitive gymnastics team for my age, I was tracking And um, because of my inability to do the splits, I was kicked off of the competitive team. So that experience uh, was very traumatizing at a young age, but my parents really believed in my athletic skill. And my second passion was skiing. And at the age of 13, they put me in a freestyle program at a local hill, which I instantly loved and I instantly excelled in. So my, 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 my background in gymnastics really translated well into freestyle mogul skiing. It's very acrobatic. It's very athletic. And I actually started there on the club team at 13 and made the national development team at age 17. So in four years, I rapidly excelled in the sport. For the the next eight years, I um, competed for Canada. I got a new 
goal, if you will, of becoming an Olympian in freestyle skiing, which was very tangible for me. And uh, my retirement was very sudden. I was tracking to the 2006 Olympic Games. I identified with the word Olympian. It was part of who I was. And as I was qualifying for the Olympic Games, I was one of those people that that choked and I didn't go to the Olympics. I never qualified for the Olympics. I had a very traumatic experience. My mindset was always it's really interesting as we talk about like the fitness mindset of a, of a high performance athlete versus non. And I, I never in the process of being a world cup athlete and skiing for Canada and winning gold medals and being national champion, I never really correlated the fitness side to it. Yes. I was in the gym working out and I was very disciplined and I was doing all the things, but the end goal was Olympics. So there was like, it was a very tracked tunnel vision um, mentality for me. I understood that the physical side was very important. It was like more than 50% of, of winning or excelling in the sport was the physical side. You need to have those skills. You need to be technically very good and you need to be strong. You need to be able to recover. Um, you need to have your aerob- a strong aerobic base. All the little elements that that we trained for, that was necessary to be the best. So the high performance element, if you want to be the best in your sport, you have to do these things. Like it's one plus one equals two in my training. The the mental and the emotional aspects were less clear. So that's where I spent a lot of time sort of learning how to deal with the emotional side to losing, for example, the emotional side to being sick to you know, dealing with relationships <laughs> and being away from home and the travel and the adrenaline rush of being in the gate uh, to, you know, the more quiet down rest, restful times. Like those elements of being an athlete were more things that I had to work for, I guess. Elisa's initial relationship with physical activity was defined by love as a young gymnast and then a young skier. However, being immensely talented, the self-sacrificing goal-driven focus of being an elite freestyle skier took over as she ascended the ladder. So the game had changed. And during these formative years, the experience left a residue that Elisa admits she didn't notice at the time. Of course, years of staying disciplined to the almost clinical high-performance code was, as she said, necessary to achieve her goals. And she was willing to push herself to make the Olympics. You heard her. But what would the impact of this culture be on her future relationship with physical activity and her body? For starters, her body physically changed in early retirement, but she stumbled upon some key lessons and skills during these times. So take a listen. Fitness to me is completely different now than it was. I did figure out a way to lose 85 pounds and I've figured out a way to celebrate my body to anyone listening right now everyone has their own shit that they go through in life everyone has the weight on their shoulders the stress of whatever it is whatever we've learned growing up about ourselves everybody has that for me it was the olympics that that was the most traumatic okay i also experienced 
uh, divorce. I also experienced divorce in my family and my parents got divorced. I had an absent father in my life. I'm learning all of these things about myself. That's the weight that I was carrying for so many years. Like, yes, we digest our food. Um, and yes, I was eating copious amounts of it, but we also are digesting our surroundings and the people that we associate with. That's all within us. So uh, how I, how I shifted out of that was self respect and self love for me in the fitness side, I found running. Running was an activity that I fell in love with that brought me joy and it like fueled my soul. It actually like created a little bit of a meditation, if you will, in my life. It gave me stillness. It gave me adrenaline. I started running road races. It allowed me to be goal oriented again. So I started to race, but I was racing for myself. It kind of filled all of my instinctual things that I love in life in a very healthy way. It was a very loving way. You and I talk about this actually a lot. It was a surprise 10K. I didn't even, I wasn't even registered. My brother hurt his knee. He gave me um, his bib like two days before the event. And it just kind of changed my life. It gave me a new perspective and some new life goals to work towards. So that was great. But my evolution really on how to maintain that passion for movement or that newfound passion for movement came with changing my perspective about my body and who I am and how how horribly I treated myself for so many years, even going back into that high performance stage, my self-talk, my thoughts, my belief about the body and who I am, it was it was very toxic. Looking back, I was so mean to myself all the time. I was always judging my body, comparing myself to others, and not actually embracing who I am today and having compassion for my body. And really, only in the last uh, year or so, have I really been able to look at myself in the mirror and say, Elisa, I love you. <laughs> Elisa, you are awesome. In the wake of her enlightenment during dark times, Elisa's relationship with her body changed. She was compelled to put in the work to find the self-care that worked for her. In the following insightful reflection, Elisa goes even deeper and she describes a very powerful question that accelerated her transformation. The physical evolution for me went from this like high performance, you have to do this, bang, 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 to be Olympian, to how can I love my body? What does my body need to feel good? And how can I honor it and create an environment that, that it will thrive in? I like to use the analogy of being fit to fat to fit. So in the dark days was my fat days. <laughs> um, I, I, I had all the negative self-talk. I had the self-pity. I had the judgment and all of those things. And once I woke up, I started to become aware that that self-talk was there in the dark times, or even at the beginning, if someone said, how well do you treat yourself? What are your thoughts? I wasn't even in a space that I could say, 
that I had thought, oh, I, I, I didn't even know that, that, that ego, that ego talk, that storyteller, however you want to identify, like call it was rambling constantly in my mind. I just, it was just part of who I was. It was where I was at. It was only until I woke up that I could create a little bit of space between the thought and, and that instinctual inner voice that lives in us as well. And it wasn't until I think I, I, one of my mentors, um, said, if that voice is telling you that you're fat and unworthy, who is the one listening? And I was like, oh, well, I'm the one talking, but I'm also the one listening. So I'm like, that's really interesting. How can I create space between that and take pause and find out where that belief or that thought is even coming from in the first place. So creating space helped me to, like I said, take pause, but it also allowed me to change the thought. This practice took a long time. We're talking, you know, 2011 and now we're 2019 now. So, you know, five, six, seven years of working on this, I'm now able to change the thought from something or, or, or the words. The, the, the wording is so key. When it comes to fitness, I, I oftentimes hear the excuse or people say, I just don't have time. I don't have time for that. But if you change the wording and maybe say something like, instead of saying, I don't have time, say, this is not a priority. See what that feels like in your body. It changes. It changes the energy in your body. The words, you know, I should be doing this. Should implies guilt. When you say, I want to do this, that implies power. It implies happiness. How you talk to yourself and and your thoughts and your beliefs about who you are affects everything. I like to try to say that for the most part, I'm walking the talk. I walk the talk. Sometimes I don't. I, I do fall into the hole every now and then and have these learning experiences, but my physical transformation started in the mind. It started in the mind and it started with understanding where my emotions are coming from and to be okay with the times where I just don't feel like it. What a different state of mind compared to her time on the national freestyle ski team. But as they say, it can be a quantum leap from theory to practice. And although Elisa knew what made her happier after putting in some work, fulfilling it wasn't always easy. In fact, in the next clip, she describes getting lured back into high-performance culture and how this exposed a lingering high-performance wound. But just listen to how she reacted to the setback and how it crystallized her beliefs about living well. I was training for a race uh, two years ago. I, I wanted to get a personal best in a marathon. So I needed to take off seven minutes from my marathon time. I hired a personal trainer. I was working with psychologists and I was working really hard. I went on this really strict diet. I kind of started getting into that high performance mentality a little bit without even really realizing that that was happening. Throughout that process, I 100% felt high performance in my own little zone. And when race day came, 
the race didn't go as well as I had planned. It was actually a very um, windy day. There was a, it was in Philadelphia. It was a Philadelphia marathon, which was in November. So it was a little bit cold, but there was like this weird tropical storm that was coming up north from the south and it, and it was bringing a bunch of crazy wind, something completely out of my control, something that I wasn't prepared for. And I didn't have the race that I wanted. So I actually had a very similar experience to that, to that Olympic failure because I was like working so hard for it. I, I didn't get my personal best and I went into that place again. The hole was definitely not as deep. It didn't take me as long to get out, but I, I, I still, that lesson presented itself to me in a new way. So it was a very interesting thing for me. However, this time going through that, I was able to see it in a different light. I was able to create space and, and see it from the outside looking in and being like, oh, this is happening again. How can I find compassion? Where is the compassion here for myself? Treating my body in a, in a judgmental way is not serving me. So how can I change that? The more awareness I have, the more that I can take pause and take a deep breath, the more I could see that my tendency and the program that I live my life on is not self-loving. The program in which we've grown up in, how we believe in our thoughts about ourselves, the past, you know, that stuff didn't just build overnight. That, that's the stuff that we've been programmed for many, many, many years. So the, the idea of changing everything overnight is very unsustainable, I believe. My pathway and the lessons that I learned as a high-performance athlete do keep presenting themselves differently. And I really feel that, I feel like overcoming them is, it's going to take time and it's healing. It's actually healing me. So like, you know, the analogy of like, you're walking down the street and you fall into a hole. The Olympics would be, I fell into a hole. I sat at the bottom of that hole for a long time. Finally, I, I got some skills and I, I, I woke up brought some awareness into my life and started to climb out of the hole. The Philadelphia marathon, yes, I fell into that hole again, but it was less deep and I could jump out of it. So hopefully as I learn and I start healing that wound of, of identifying myself with something that's outside of me, I'll be able to see the hole and walk around it instead of falling in. And once I'm able to walk around that hole, that is when I can truly let go of the past and of the program and start to create new thoughts and new beliefs. I look at my body now more as the vessel. My body is so loyal to me. Every single cell is working for me. It is loving me. It is working for me constantly. I abuse my body. I abused it for years, even in that high performance realm doing all those workouts, traveling, competing, that was hard. That was hard work on my body, but it, it showed up for me every single day. Even in the, in the time, in the dark times, it was giving me all the signs, all the warnings, please love me. And I wasn't, I was continuing to punish my body for something in the past. So now I, I, when I'm in those abusive patterns and when I, I oftentimes will like, 
um, binge eat, for example, or drink or like make really bad decisions and not sleep a lot and, and abuse myself. And I now have the ability to be like, uh Oh, this is happening again. What is it in me that needs to feel numb? What is it in me that needs to heal? Being able to practice my awareness has given me the ability to, to, to have those moments like, Oh, this is here. Oh, what is this all about? I'm changing my relationship with my body and changing the reaction that I have to the program. I heard this story and I actually really love it. It's uh, the story of a zebra. And this zebra (laughs) just living its life and out of nowhere comes a lion. And the zebra takes off and starts running for its life. There's adrenaline coursing through its body the lion is at its tail and the zebra makes a leap over a gully and lands on the other side and gets away from the lion. So what does the zebra do? It goes and finds some water. It shakes it off and then continues to be a zebra. I love a good animal story and that zebra story about resilience did not disappoint. But better than that, next, Elisa summarizes her first decade of retirement from high-performance sport in an inspirational, but also realistic way. Take a listen. People ask me all the time, how do you stay motivated? What is your motivation? Honestly, my motivation is how can I treat my body with the most respect? Like it always comes back for that. How can I love myself today? And you know what? Sometimes loving myself is very small. That's okay. And I'm okay with that. But you know what? Every day we we wake up and we're Wherever we're at, if we do our best and we love ourselves to the best of our abilities, that to me is all you can do. You can't, you can't give 110%. There's only 100. <laughs> That's it. And if 100% is a 3 out of 10, amen. I really want to thank Elisa Kurlowitz for sharing her wisdom today. I'm so glad she's turning her self-described dark times into something valuable for others, including teaching the skills she developed. Again, you can follow her on Instagram at Elisa Kuralowitz and be sure to subscribe to her podcast too, Elisa Unfiltered. There you can get a regular dose of her reflections every week. On that note, you can also follow me on Instagram at kelly.dell or the show at Happily Ever Active Show. With that, thank you so much for joining me again. I hope you have a terrific week ahead. I'm excited to be hosting my official book launch for Feel Like It here in Ottawa. If you're interested in following, you can check out the hashtag Feel Like It Launch to get a taste of that action. And, of course, as usual, here's to living happily ever active. This episode of Happily Ever Active has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more content on the mental side of fitness. Oh, and don't forget to rate and review the show. See you next time.